Hello and welcome back to the Rovers Chat Podcast. It's episode eight and the trio are back to discuss the events of last week, the upcoming games and everything else really. Mike, welcome back to the podcast. How are we? Yeah, I'm all good. I'm ready to be hurt again by Rovers after this weekend. And Mike, how are we doing? I'm ready for the two-week break, I think. I don't think I'm quite as ready as Mike yet. I've not, still not got over it. I'm in the same boat, actually. I'm, for one, I'm actually glad of the international break, I think. I think it's just come at the right time for Rovers. We'll obviously go into the two yeah. games that we've had since the last podcast recording. Then we'll go on to a few different topics and we'll, of course, finish with a mailbag and the quiz. So let's get into it. An unfortunate place to start, but one that we've got to. Rovers 3-0 defeat at Plymouth. Now, Mike, I'll come to you since the Plymouth fans have been your best friends in the last week after the match <laughs> reaction. You give us your thoughts on the game. Have they changed since that match reaction or are they exact same? Did Rovers actually deserve something and was 3-0 a very unfair scoreline? Yeah, I think it was a very unfair scoreline. I mean, if no one's watched it, I did the reaction. I was uh, pretty emotional about it. I think we all were. Um, I said that I, I felt like we had most of the game. I think I actually said 99.9% of the game. And I think that triggered them quite a bit. Whether I'm right or wrong, that's how I felt at the time. Um, I just can't help but think if we'd won 3-0, no one would have complained about it. And that that's kind of yeah. my... That's my review of it now is if we'd won that game 3-0, I don't think anyone would have complained. No, I feel like like me and Elliot Jackson were discussing on the video we put out on the channel on uh, on Wednesday that last year Rovers went at this stage of the season, went to Sheffield United, got battered 3-0, absolutely torn apart. We went Reading. And although yeah. we were poor ourselves, Reading still played well in 3 0. And then you look at it this year, and we've lost two games, and neither of them we deserve to really lose. And it's yeah. it's a strange position, really, to be on seven points and feel like we should have had, well, at least 10 in my eyes, probably more. Mark, what did you make of the defeat at Plymouth? Was it, as Mike said, an unfair result, or do you feel that Rovers were just almost the creators of their own downfall? A bit of both, I think. Yeah, I think if you're not taking chances like Hedges one, then, you know, and I'm not trying to have a popper in mic, I apologise, I know, <laughs> before you jump on at me. Um, but if we're not taking chances like that, then you are going to ask for trouble, unfortunately. Um, I, I think the win at Watford wasn't a smash and grab, as we've talked about, but it did feel that it was probably three points gained. This is completely three points lost. Um, but it's early enough in the season, I think, to just give us that little kick up the rear and say, you've got to be on it, you know, promoted sides or whoever it is, you have to be on it every week. And I think performance-wise we were, but you've just got to be more clinical than that. Was, and we have been actually ironically this season. So Yeah, that's it. I was about to mention that that's kind of the opposite of what we said. It's kind of the Rovers yeah. hold that performance, isn't it? That, you know, It's half the there. Rovers we were expecting coming into the yeah. season, if I'm being honest, yeah. It is. It's probably the first game that mm. I've looked at us and thought, God, we needed a striker because I know yeah. this discussed all summer, but it's almost felt like, do you know what, we'll actually get goals. And then just a word on Ryan Hedges, I think that sums up Ryan Hedges in the perfect sense that he scores that goal yeah. at Watford, goal of the month, probably going to win goal of the year unless we pull something out and then suddenly he misses that chance. It kind of sums us up. Now, one thing that came into the light again, at the Plymouth game was the keeper situation. Ainsley Pears at fault for, I'd say, two of the goals. I don't think the first one he could have done anything, but the other two, I think the second one he should palm it away better. And the third one, let's not get into that again. But 
the situations come up and the discussions about maybe Leo Volstead coming in. Now, Mark, I'll come to you and we'll go on mm. to the Harrogate game soon, but Leo Volstead yeah. featured in that one. Do you feel yeah. it's time for Leo to get his shot in the league for Rovers? I think it's very difficult for us to judge off that Harrogate game. I think, obviously, the manager's going to see him a lot more. I think they they are, if he, if he chooses to, then I fully trust him. If he doesn't, I think we can't be having a pop and saying, well, why isn't it? Uh, we just couldn't see enough could be in that Harrogate game. It just wasn't wasn't enough for us to see. I think the problem is, I mean, I know Sky talked about this when David Ray was talked about signing for Arsenal, having two keepers that you see on a similar level creates a problem because normally, if Kaminsky makes a couple of errors, people weren't really screaming for pairs to come in. The problem is they're almost waiting for that opportunity to say the other one should be in. Oh, no, no, the other one. Um, and this is what we've created at the moment, I would say. Yeah, I feel... I feel if we bring Volstead in now, we've got to stick with him. We can't yeah, stick with him. Yeah, no, yeah, one yeah. Out, one mistake yeah. out. I want Volstead in. I'll admit that. I think it's time. I feel like we've been waiting on Pace to make a mistake, because bad as it <laughs> seems, I feel like we've kind of been waiting to say, right, he's made a mistake, get him in. But I just feel now's the right time. It's just a matter of, you know, sticking in with him. If it goes wrong now, for, I think whoever starts after this international break, unless it goes horribly wrong for one of them, I think they're the keeper that we've got to stick with now for at least a foreseeable. Mike, you're obviously a keeper yourself. What's your thoughts on the situation? What's your thoughts on the goals pairs conceded first, them two against Glimmer? Should he have done better? We know the third one he should, but what about the second? Yeah, it's Sunday league stuff. You know, the first one, um, like we said, deflection. Can't talk about it. Second one, it's just palmed it back into danger. Kaminsky did it last year and it drove me insane. Um, you, you're just taught not to do that. It, it was like he just wasn't alert to that initial shot properly. And then second one, yeah, OK, we can blame the defenders. It bounced, should have dealt with that. But people blaming the defenders for leaving it for the second, they've probably got a call off pairs. So that's on pairs. It's not on the defenders. They're probably thinking, why the hell has he called it for a start? But and maybe if it was a high, I mean, might have taken control and actually just got rid, which he's done in previous games, hasn't he? We've seen him not listen to pairs and just do his own thing. But yeah, to come storming out a goal like that, there was no need. His decision-making was Sunday league there. Um, last year we had the video, didn't we? And I was saying that, you know, form would say that Pears should have stayed in and Kaminsky wouldn't get his spot back. Now, Pears, very up and down. But this isn't FIFA. It's not football manager. You can't go and have a look in the background to see what stats of potential. We don't know what Volstad's you know, got to offer yet. He needs to have time to settle. It's a very difficult position you know, just to come in and suddenly be a championship number one keeper. So, yeah, I mean... It was a very bad game for Pears, just as it was for some other players like head, like Hedges. You know, form. I'd, I'd say we, he's given JDT a very easy decision to make if this form carries on of making these errors. And we might see Leo. I, I said I think we'll see Leo before Christmas. Um, it might even be before then. I think the problem you've got is when... Like you said, then you don't want to keep chopping and changing. But when you make that decision on the back of, a, of an error, is and Volstead has to stay in then, is Enzo Pez has just yeah. signed a four year deal. He's not really happy to sit on the bench then. You then have another problem uh, because it's almost a ticking time bomb. He's not, you need a number two that's almost comfortable being a number two. And I think Volstead won't be long term, but he probably is this season. 
Um, I'm not saying that's that should really come into your decision making. You need to pick the best players, but it creates a problem for me then. Once well, the rumours were that the number one. Pairs yeah, I mean the rumours were that Greg Greg wanted him for a while, isn't it? Didn't he? Isn't he beyond, beyond the last year? Yeah. Hmm? So so he obviously yeah. rates him very highly, and you don't chase a number two keeper for that long, yeah. do you? You just think, oh, do you know what? He's not ready. I'll get another one. So he is going to be. Blackburn number one at some point because some point, we, yeah. yeah, exactly. So mm. I, I said I was calling Christmas. I think it could be earlier than than that. Um, I mean, all the people now saying he needs to go now. I think it's probably a bit too soon uh, just yeah. to drop him now. But I do think it's it's inevitable. I mean, it wasn't a great surprise for me, if I'm being perfectly honest. I think, I mean, obviously, I saw the weekend game, the pairs, and the fact he came back from that and showed the characters come back from that was incredible. Um, and his form actually was, was really good, but I've never felt fully comfortable. Now, that could just be a bit of PTSD after that Wigan game. Uh, but he never quite seems confident enough, and I don't think the back four do. And I think the third goal for me was the big problem because that, Massive. whilst there was the goalkeeping error in the second, that it's basic. Occasionally that can happen. I think the third one summed up into the pairs' problems for me. He's not commanding enough. Now, you could go to Scott Wharton. He's the most experienced member there. He should have dealt with it. Carter should have dealt with it, of course. But your keeper is the one that should be making that yeah. decision. If he's made if the goal, called for it. One, then it's awful. If he hasn't, what is he doing there? So either way, it's just he's, he's got to be the dominant one. When you see keepers clearing people out there and they get away with it, even if they don't win the ball with the play for Man United, but he's got to make a better decision there and a more convincing decision either way for me. Yeah, and it's not necessarily, you know, the errors themselves. It's because it's decision-making. It's not something you can really teach. You know, that's no. between the ears. Kaminsky made a bit... I don't know if you saw the the West Ham goal against Luton. Kaminsky <laughs> made an error. But, I mean, yeah. it's it's not... That's not decision-making. You know, you can coach things like that. I don't think you can coach between the ears and maybe Pears, you know, he's, he's just overthinking things, trying too much. Maybe he's not ready to be a number one. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. Yeah, yeah I just think that back one. four always seem not as confident with him, not as comfortable mm. in his decisions. There's always that bit of, is he going to come? Is he not? Is there this? There's indecisiveness and that is just not what you want in the defence. You need convincing, decisive defenders uh, and keeper and I think that is his problem for me and that's a problem that maybe it's a problem that the back four have got rather than him, maybe they don't trust him as much I don't know but it's a big problem Now Mark, you mentioned that trust the question we're going to come on to which you've led into perfectly is do you feel it could create a defensive like more defensive issues if that trust isn't there because the feel the feeling I always had was if I'm a defender in that back line and Thomas Kaminsky's behind me and the ball goes over my head, I've half a feeling Kaminsky will save it. I don't feel yeah. that with Pears. And that is partly that Wigan game you mentioned. I think that's yeah. still in my head of that yeah. game. Do you think that could cause issues defensively if they don't have that confidence that you know he can be that final brick wall? Yeah, I mean, this is something that obviously we will never know. I mean, he'll probably never even be honest enough to tell us if, if we asked him, but... Is that why Harry Pickering felt he had to make that challenge? You know, there are some keepers. I remember when Brad Frieda was at Ewood, you would just let them go because actually one-on-ones, he was unbelievable. Now, all right, that's Brad Frieda. But you're right, Kaminsky, you just had that inner confidence, didn't you, that he was going to come. And if he shouted for something, the defenders just moved out of the way. With pairs, 
as we saw at weekend, if he shouted for it, which he must have done, they're not quite moving out of the way. They don't quite go, has he really shouted for that? Is he that really? I just think it creates a problem. And, and that lack of, you have to have full faith in your goalkeeper as defenders. And the teams that don't, they're the ones who have problems. Yeah, I mean, I've experienced it myself. I mean, I've played all different levels. And when I've been on bad form, I can just see people acting different, dealing with things differently to what they normally would. When I've been on good form, they're there, like Mark said, just letting things go because they know I'm going to come and claim them. So it is a massive thing for defenders to trust its uh, their keeper. Yeah, definitely. We'll move on to a bit more of a positive outlook. And Mark, I'll come back to you since you're at the Harrogate game. We saw a lot of you, a lot of the young lads play, which yeah. brilliant news always is for the academy. Just how special of a group does it feel we have here? Because every time we pump one off the line, like we did with Adam Morton and Ash Phillips, it now feels like there's four more waiting in the wings. And obviously we saw Bloxham at Plymouth come on. How positive is that for Rovers having this, especially given all the financial issues, which we won't yeah. go into again? It's unbelievable. And I, and I can't believe we don't get more recognition for it. However, I, I come back to JDT and I think that the fact that they know their role allows them to have the confidence to come in that they can just go and play. Um, because they all come in looking extremely, talking of confidence, looking extremely confident, don't they? Or at the very least, comfortable. Um, I know we talked about um, Charlie Weston in pre-season. He just slotted in. You would have thought, you know, the, if you're a Stanley fan, you wouldn't have gone, oh, he, he's never played in the first team before. They just slot in. Um, it's very rare, actually, that any of them look nervous, anxious, out of place. They just seem to, And some of that has got to be the way that they're playing. Um but it, it, it's so good for our future because it means you're not panicking if we don't get one assigning. It means you kind of got well, actually, we should be giving them a chance. Um, and ultimately, it will be the lifeblood of the club, either players or money. Yeah, I think it goes back to what you said as well about when we were mentioning the cups are the players to slot in. They know the position straight away. They know everything and it's exactly spot on. Mike, obviously, we mentioned all these young lads going on. We spoke a lot in the transfer window about a lack of experience, etc. And it's something we will come on to soon. Do you feel that experience isn't as key as we maybe think it is, or do you still feel Rovers need that in, even with all these, you know, especially talented young lads? You need experience for the running. So when the t- going gets tough, you know, players tend to, you know, go into their shells a little bit, not quite as confident. So I think that's why we've had a bit of a drop off the last couple of seasons coming into the running because they, we have had young squads, you know, that might look at a situation and kind of just shirk it a little bit. I do have a, the only concern I really have about the squad being so young is JDT isn't going to be with us for the long term. He's destined for bigger things. And as much as he, he probably enjoys being part of the project, he probably wants more players that are ready now so he gets success now. He's not going to be bothered about what happens in three or four years' time. He wants success now. So I am concerned that we don't have as much experience for JDT to do his thing. But as a fan, I am excited to see there's a lot of young lads here that in three or four years' time could be first-teamers. And like Mark said, and we actually, you know, we're not getting credit. It'll be nice to see us getting credit when these lads start playing week in, week out. Yeah, I think it's the, it's the money aspect compared. You love seeing them, but like Mike, uh, like Mike said, sorry, they're going to be the ones that keep this club going financially mm. in the end. So, uh, transfers, now we've covered them, we've discussed them a bit. I just want to have a quick chat over the window. Obviously, we've done the review of the window already on the uh, on the channel. We've also done the deadline day stream. Thank you to everyone who tuned into that. 
Now, I wanted to focus on the JDT comments on Telelovich, obviously signed on deadline day. We all know, you know, this is a bit of a risk deal. Michael Humpty face, Rovers making a permanent signing up front, firstly. How happy are you with that? I, I think that's what we'd all, we were all asking for. And somebody of the physique of, of Telelovich um, and somebody of the raw characteristics, I would say, is what we wanted. So, yeah, absolutely spot on. Yeah, definitely uh, nice to bring someone in. Now, Michael, I'll come to you first. I'll just read John Doll's comments though before I do. So he said, the recruitment team have worked on Semi for a while. He is a player who's been a late developer and scored some goals. He's not a player who's used to the championship, but he is one who wants to become better and hopefully we can help him become better. It's different playing at championship level if you've not experienced that. Young Tom Blackson played his first minute at the weekend. You know, it's a tough league. Now, is there a worry about his time to adapt? We know it's natural enough for me to adapt, but are you concerned that he might not be in for a couple of months? Or do you feel it's going to be part of the process of trying to get a striker that's going to score his goals? Yeah, I think JDT is trying to protect him a little bit. He knows the fans have been excited wanting a striker. Uh, I think everyone's made it quite plain over the last year, that, you know, how much we do want to go and get a striker. I mean, the rumours are about 350000 isn't it, that he's coming for? I mean, it's undisclosed. So it's not much money. I think he's the comments to me just like effectively trying to tell the fans, like, let's calm it down. You know, he's not a championship striker. We've got some work to do with him. Uh, don't start getting on his back if he's not scored a goal in the first few games. I think them comments are just to protect him. I think it's it's 100% him looking at a player, knowing that he's got potential, knowing he could come in and do a job. Like Mark says, you look at his physical attributes. We've seen all the YouTube videos now flying around of what he can do. He's got a bit of pace, a bit of strength. But I think it, it is more a case of, Let's calm it down. You know, he may come good, but let's not put too much pressure on him. Yeah, it's, I think it's good man management as well, isn't it? What we'll do now, we'll just move on and have a quick look at the squad depth and look at the players, Look, you know, in addition to the transfer we made. So, I will show it up on screen for anyone that's watching on YouTube. Obviously, if you're listening, we'll read it out to you. So, in there, we've got Piers Volster and then Hilton and Easton as backup. Right back, we've got Jersey and Callum Britton with James Hill potentially filling in. Left back, Pickering, with obviously Britton moving over. Hayam Carter, Wharton, Sam Barnes at centre back with Hill. Midfield, we've got Travis Wharton, Garrett, Tronstad, and then you've got Sigurdsson, Maddox, Moran in a more attacking bit. Dolan Hedges, Mark Andy out wide, and then Gallagher, Ennis, Leonard, Tillalovic. Now, Mark, do you think Rovers have filled the gaps that we needed to, or is there anywhere else that you think maybe you know one more addition could do? Maybe a free agent. I think strictly speaking, they've probably filled the gaps, but you know we we have yet to see um, anything from Tronstad really that tells us that he's going to be able to slot in long term if there was an injury. Um, I think numbers wise, it we probably have. But then in terms of depth, have we? I'm not so sure. Um, and, and, and we've talked about the experience. I think the other thing that we're just potentially missing is, is a character and a character like an Elliot Bennett that's just that level-headed, and that comes with experience usually, um, is that level-headed person who can just go, just calm down. You know, Scott Wharton's got plenty of experience now. Age-wise, he's not young. Sam Gallagher isn't. But they're not the type of people that you bring on that go, right, they grab hold of the game, they grab hold of the young lads and go, this is what we do, just calm it down. You can't imagine that they're necessarily even doing that in the in the dressing room. 
Um, so I think that's what we're missing still for me. Yeah, Mark, uh, really good point there from Mark, actually, with that. Now, a question that I was going to say for the mailbag, but we'll use it in this section. So, Chaddy Rovers asked us, would you like to see Rovers sign any free agents to boost the squad? If so, what position? So, I'll give you the scenario. Say Rovers have got that money sat there from the Buckley departure. Is there any position you like Rovers going for in the free agent market? And any suggestions, if you can think of anyone? Well, Ruben Rasheen is available. I think we'd all like to uh, have that romantic uh, signing back. Um, I'm concerned about left-back still. Um, I know that Britain can come across and cover. I know that we've got Jack Batty. He'll come back and cover. Um, I still have a little bit of a concern there. I don't know enough about James Hill to really comment. I mean, he can play He can play across the back anyway, can't he, I, th- I believe. Yeah, I um, I think we've plugged the holes. I, I just I would like to see two experienced players. We've always had an old head, you know, going back to the Henningberg when we got promoted in the, you know in the early two thousands. You know, we had a Mark Hughes, we had a Henningberg, and play, players like that. You know, even Friedel. And then, like now, you look around and there is no experience there that you would say is championship experience, and it is huge. If we have a good run this year and we're coming into them final games like mark said like you, you you've said dan having an elliot bennett or someone that can put their arm around players calm it down is massive so if if the free agent had someone that i felt like was a real seasoned pro that didn't yeah. want too much wages i'd have him in for depth and just to be around the place I was, i'm hoping yeah. tronstad i've seen tronstad on the pitch going around talking to people he does seem like he would be that guy um yeah. but i do think you need probably one or two others because it can't keep being just your high ends. Travis, I'm not I'm still not sure if he's a guy that actually calms people down. He seems to be more actually winds <laughs> you know people up. Um Schmodic seems really good around around the place. Mm. But on the pitch, to be honest, he's probably only high that seems like he's the kind of guy that would go around putting his arm around people. I want man seeing in terms of fullback, it's not an experience head, but George Cox is still available who will link the rovers yeah. in. And he was on trial at Hull, I think, earlier. Now, again, finance might be the issue. He's keen on a move to England uh, because of family, etc. But it'd be interesting to see where he actually ends up with that one. Now, Mike, anyone that comes to mind in the free agent market? Or is it a case of everyone just feels a bit like if they're not signed up now... There is that, and you always wonder, well, why aren't they by now? Particularly if they've been on trial somewhere at a similar level of club. Um, I, I just think that the centre-halves are wearing me. I think because what's happening here is, if we are saying that we're okay numbers-wise, that means James Hill's got a massive role to play. It means that Morin does, Sigurdsson does, Tronstad does, probably one of Dolan, Hedges and Mark Ande is going to have to have a storming season. And Gallagher and Ennis or Telerovic are going to have to hit the ground running. That's a lot of people to be that are unknowns that aren't used to this level mm. of football that have got to perform and potentially perform Saturday, Tuesday. Um, yeah. That's my problem. Whereas, you know, when we Richie Smallwood in League One, he was exactly the type of player that we needed. He would be there, other than when he was suspended, week in, you know, game in, game out, just getting stuck in, but also just calming people down, and he was a 7 out of 10 every week. I just worry we don't necessarily have enough 7 out of 10s every week. 
Yeah, that makes sense. That really does. What we'll do now, uh, now we've rounded off our focus on the squad depth from the week so far, we'll head into the mailbag, a couple of questions, and then we can go for the quiz after that. So, Mark, I'll come to you first with a question from the mailbag. Just a couple here. The first one comes uh, from Ollie over on Twitter. Thanks, Ollie, for your question. Always watching the channel as well. I really appreciate that. So, he yes, said, where do you think Rovers will finish in the league this season? And how do you compare the squad to last year? Now, the question I've posed to, rather than where do you think we'll finish, have your predictions changed from the first week of the season when we all sat down and did the predictions? Do you feel Rovers would be higher, lower? Has any of them changed? No, because we've got too many unknowns still. Um, and I think it's too much of a big ask. You know, the playoffs we needed for me, that guaranteed goal scorer. We've got potential goal scorers. And so I, I think it, it, it's, I wouldn't rule it out, but it, there's an awful, it's a lot of big asks of, of some unknowns. Mike, has anything changed for you since the season began? Anything you've noticed, maybe? Um, I've probably been more impressed than I expected. I didn't expect to be as impressed with some of the players that we've got. But mm. yeah, I, I think we're just going to be a solid mid-table side. I think it could actually end up being quite a boring season where we're not fighting relegation or we're not even fighting for a promotion. We're just going to be in the middle. But I think that actually could show progress considering what we've lost and that we've replaced with younger players. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. I'm in the same boat. I think the point that uh, that Mark makes that we don't have any known guarantees, that's what keeps me in the same position. If we'd have got that striker in that you knew could go on and do it in this league, I think I'd be a bit more optimistic. One mm. question from Ollie Hodge as well that focused on last year a bit was best experience of last season. Now... There's only one for me, and it comes up every time on Twitter, and I'll retweet it every time it comes up, and it's that Sammy Smoddick's moment. Them 20 minutes at Sheffield United or so when we thought we were off to Wembley. We'll be up there. Other contenders, West Ham and Leicester, I think, are in there. Mike, anything mm. else that comes to mind from last year? I mean, from a personal note, taking my lad to his first game at Ewood against West Brom, and Sam Gallagher, my best friend, goes and scores a lovely little goal right in front of us. Uh, I think from a personal note, that was that was brilliant for me. Um, against Leicester, you know, um, it, I thought that game, when you're going against a team like Leicester, and to do what we did, I thought was a massive moment for us. Mike, anything else you could add to last year? <sighs> yeah, a little bit boring, really, for me. I think I'm absolutely the same. I think in terms of one memory, it would have to either be Leicester or, or those few moments at Sheffield United. Um, I, I think... My overriding memory of last season, though, when you look back on it, was was one of, of real progress, of um, actually seeing this project, and it's continued into this season, which is what it had to do. Otherwise, you could argue, well, we weren't getting the results, the performances were better. So for me, in terms of a, a, an overriding memory, there's those flashes, but the overriding memory is of what a good young team we've got with a really good young manager. That Millwall one as well comes to mind for me, mainly because I oh, yeah. ended up getting battered, but... <laughs> uh, that kind of Another part of the question was low moments. Now, we won't mention the trip to them down the road. Uh, are there any moments stand out? One for me is waiting four weeks for football to come back and then Preston go and do us at Ewood in yeah. a very, very yeah. cold, very wet Ewood part, possibly. Oh, that, that was horrific, wasn't it? Just the Preston one is definitely the one for me. 
if I can't say the Burnley one, it's the Preston one because we were so yeah. excited, weren't we? And then, yeah, and then that happens. Yeah. Do, do you know, I mean, the obvious one is the one that we're not going to say. I mean, I was just because I was just staring, thinking, "What are we doing?" And mm. it was just so disappointing. It was just absolutely demoralising uh, because of how we had turned up and set up. But the other one is Coventry away. Because it, it we, we were we were looking up, we were looking down, and then you were sort of settling a little bit, and then you just sort of went, "What are we doing?" You know that and Reading, they were just, "What what, what are we doing?" This is not what we've been sold, um, and I just couldn't see a way forward at that point. Literally, neither could the players. Actually, <laughs> that was actually that were I think there were a point last year where. I were always willing to give John Dow time, but then results like the Reading one, I know we'd won three in a row, but... And it was the performances, wasn't it, as well? Yeah, everything just fell out like... It, as you could see the identity in the first three. Then we were naff for this bit. Then we had that win-run, win-run that just bored me. Rotherham <laughs> were one for me as well, away from, away from home as well, I think. Yeah. I never liked the term of, you know, like teams like Rotherham, when you get beat off these lower teams, but we turned up there and made this team that had struggled for ages... And we made them look like the best team in the league. It stood around for that fourth goal when they just passed it around us and we stood there like we were like we were training ground corns, really. It was just horrendous. So that would be up there for me. What we'll do now, we'll head into the quiz. Mark, I believe you're leading the quiz today. I am. Let's get straight indeed. into it then. Okay, okay. So same format as we've had, lads. So uh, we've got categories, and then it'll be you know Mike say one, Dan, until one of us says uh, we'll have one incorrect answer allowed, and you can have another go, and then we'll hand the point over. Okay, okay. So uh, we uh, will have Dan because he's the first one on my screen to start first, and the topic. Jobs, choose the topics. So I don't want me to just pick them for you. Go on, you pick them. Okay. So we'll go managers at Ewood Park for Blackburn Rovers. You can have caretaker managers, but obviously if they've been a caretaker manager more than once, you can only have them once. Is this history, yeah? Yeah, we'll go history. If you get some from early history, you can have them. I've got one. I'm going to save. Uh, John Dahl Thomason. Okay. Dahl Gleish. Yes. Tony Mowbray. Yes. Soonest. Yes. The unforgivable Owen Coyle. Yes. Even more unforgivable Steve Keane. Oh, I might. I might kick you out for that one. <laughs> and I'm going to kick him off. Uh, Paul Lambert. Paul Lambert, yeah. And let's bring it back up to Mark Hughes. Yes. Gary Boyer. Yes. Hints. Yes. What are you uh, doing to us here, <laughs> Yeah. Appleton. Yes. Have we said Big Sam? No, we haven't. No. Sam Allardyce. Tony Parks. Yes. Eric Black. Well done. Sounds obscure, isn't it? <laughs> Um, oh no, Brian's gone. Who have we said? Um, oh, 
Oh no, my my brain's gone blank. Think after Daglish. Oh yeah, Ray Harford. Yes. Uh, Brian Kidd. Brian Kidd. Yeah, you've got all the way back now. There's there's none. There's one sandwiched in between those that you mentioned, oh, sure. and then we are. Yeah, and then we're back before yeah. Daglish. Uh, Don McKay. Yeah. Jim Smith. Yes. Bob Crompton. Yes. Who's the guy that managed Everton as well? Oh, just give no. down one if you haven't got. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only one I can think of. Um, oh, no. <laughs> Howard Kendall. Yes. Well, there's a, was there a Johnny Carey? Yes. It's all in stats on Twitter that's helped. I think I'm done. Am I being dumb? Is there one that's really obvious that I'm not thinking of? Uh, off the top of my head, I would probably have got another three, potentially. I'm not saying I would in this setting, but, you know, if it was that round, yeah. I think I'm going to concede or else we're going to have too much dead air. <laughs> okay, okay. So the ones I would have remembered as such, pre-me, but there were Bob Saxton, Jim Arley and Gordon Lee. But then there's also John Pickering and numerous others that we will not go into. First manager was Tom Mitchell. I would ah. If you'd have got another there, Mark, I would Yeah, that. to be honest, I think we've done amazing to do as far as we did. Yeah, how impressive. <laughs> it was quite impressive that you just literally went in order as well. Yeah. Okay, Mike, we will go. Number nines. So these are squad numbers that have had the number nine. Oh. So obviously 1992 when football began, we didn't even have squad numbers. 93 they started, so it's then onwards. Doesn't matter if they've been alone, you can have them. They have to have had the squad number, number nine. Okay, so Shearer. Yes. Mike's favourite, Sam Gallagher. Of course. Was Gestead number nine? Or was it Rhodes? No. Rhodes. Is he 10? He was, 11. wasn't he? Was he 11? Oh, yeah. crap. Um... I'm just talking out loud. That wasn't an answer, obviously. Yeah, no, no, no. We'll just have no um, conversation. I'm not allowed to say Simon Garner. Uh, did Sutton end up getting the nine? We were just having a conversation, or is that, I guess? I think <laughs> Sutton. Sutton. Yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, who, who were before Gallic? Who were number nine in, in League One? <laughs> oh, go away, uh, Anthony Stokes. Yes, that is the one I'd forgot when I, I didn't write down. How you pulled that, I don't know. I think my brain's think deliberately it, erased that. I think the relegation, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, did Santa Cruz wear nine? I'm going to say Santa Cruz, but I don't think he did. Oh, he did. Oh, well, yes. Two years. Did Leon Best wear it? <laughs> yes, he did. I don't think he wore it very much, but yeah. No, no, I'm going to have to go again. Um, 
There's some obvious There's some, ones I'm missing. There is uh, some Mark, big ones we're missing. Yeah. Jansen didn't win on. Did Marcus Bent? He did. Yeah. Oh. Uh. Nine tonight. Shaban in Nanda. What is that coming over the hill? Nathan Blake. No. Ah, oh, no. So the remaining ones were Ashley Ward. So it's a it's a it's a good list, I'll be honest. Yeah. Cavadiawara, Mark Hughes, Andy Cole, John Stead, Shefki Kucci. Jason Roberts, Dominic Samuels, the one you were thinking of before, Dan, Chris Brown, Anthony Modest, and Nico Kalinich. Chris Brown wore a nine. Oh, yes. There's some absolute dog number nines number there. 10, I'm not going to yeah. lie to you. I'm gonna say I think we just handed it out for a laugh, haven't we? <laughs> Sam Gallagher's probably looking at that, oh, by the way, the longest serving number nine. I'm going to say he's probably top scorer as well for many years. Hmm. Well, for many years, all right. Yeah, so right, back to... This is 2-0 to Dan. This is not good. Uh, right, we will have captains since 1992. Now, not just put the band on, on the pitch, because that would be impossible to it. So they've had to have had it at the beginning, beginning of the season or been given it mid-season for whatever reason. There are only Lewis. 10 since oh. 92. Lewis Travis. Yes. Tim Sherwood. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> uh, who? Lenny Ann? Yeah. Hanley. Yes. Whoa, slot on Mark. I can't think. No, uh, I'm doing the same as what you did to me in the last yeah. one. I'm not giving you Keep that pressure on, Mike. <laughs> Mulgrew. Of course, yeah. I've only got one more, I think. Okay, so... I'm not going to try and give you too much of a clue, but there is one that's worn it an awful lot, but never actually been classed as captain. And I would have said it, so that would have been one I would have messed up with. I feel it's the one I'm thinking of now. Gary Flickcroft. Yes. Uh, Jason Law. Yeah. Oh, God, how was he captain? Um, Tremendous footballer. Is he still a free agent or is it older now? We'll bring him back. I don't think he's anywhere, you know. Was it older at one stage, wasn't it? Get him back, then. Have a cheeky Google while we're. Oh, Port Oh. Is it Port Lovely. What was that, sorry, Mike? Henningberg. No. Ryan Nelson. Yes. Oh, so that season that you're probably thinking Berg wore it a lot, it was at Flickhoff, was the captain? He was just a Yeah. I think you've done me, yeah. I'm going to go for David Dunn. That's the one I was talking about. Yeah, no, never I'm officially really captain. No, I didn't think it was official. So the two remaining were Jason Wilcox, who got it mid-season when a certain Tim Sherwood went to play for England, and <laughs> Kevin Moran. Oh, we never. I were only stuck. In oh, jeez. I would never get two one. Okay, okay. Got to get Tim right. Sherwood in, didn't you, Mark? Wow. Well, uh, right, we are back with uh, 
We're back with Mike now, and it is sponsors that the club have had in their history. There are 18 that have been on the front of Blackburn Rovers shirts. Okay. So they only have to have been on the shirt for one game. Crown oh. paints. Yes. Totally wicked. Of course. Um, bet 10. Yeah. Bet 24. Yeah. Prince's Trust. Yes. Probis. Yes. Um, McEwen's Lager. Mm-hmm. Lonsdale. Yeah. I was gutted when Lonsdale came in. <laughs> such, <laughs> such a trash. So um, we had them twice. <laughs> exactly. Um, CIS. What's yeah? Zebra claims. Oh yes. Time. Yeah. What little we had the night kit, the template RFS. Yes. AMD processors. Yeah. Uh, recover on it. Yeah. Doing well lots of money left. Four remain. Perspex. Yes. It's going back a bit, it? Daffabet. Yes. I'm, I'm missing an obvious one. I know I am. Um... I might need a clue here. So they, they only have to have been on the shirt once. Now, it's, it's a competitive game, obviously, so they're not having venkies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think. I think it's gone out of my head. There's going to be something. No, I'm going to have to concede. Too much dead air. So it was a Wonsdale kit, Dan. Not a clue. HSA. Oh, yeah. And then the one that we only had on once was Cause Extra Gold. Against oh, God. Wasn't that um, in a European game or something? No, it was against Forest at home when we had McEwen's Lager. There was some, they were launching Cause over in England and we plunked it on the front of our shirt for one go. Oh, so yeah. we only missed two? Not the miss too. It was impressive, wasn't tell it? Tell you what, that is pretty good. I'll, I'll, I'll take the loss. I'm impressed yeah. with us. I won't get in any of them two again. Should we do the final one just for go just on. for giggles and uh, the other point. ones? Okay, okay, right. We'll go start with Mike. So this is kit manufacturers. We've only had ten. Okay, Umbra. Three times, yes. Uh, Macrom. Yeah. Nike. Yes. Uh, Lonsdale. <laughs> I thought you were going to miss that then, yeah. I was sat there then thinking, I know one. 
Kappa. Yes, there's a one. A6, A6, however you want to pronounce it. Yeah, what both. Oh no, my brain's gone again. Dan's just too quick on these things. It bounces back to you too quick. Put me under pressure. He is good at it. All sports. Get more into your... Yes. Now we're definitely into your era, Mike. That was my one. That was the only one I had left. Uh... There'll be one that I'll kick myself on. Is there any recent? Like recent enough? Or are we... We're back. You're into Mike's land. Oh, I've back. got one more. I'm happy to concede here. Mm, Ribeiro? Yeah. Before and that. It, it begins with an E, doesn't it? Isn't it? We've just yeah. released the kits in the it shop. We just remade well. it. Yeah. Is it E double R E A? Elgren. Oh, yeah. made the Made all the retro stuff. And then the, the other one uh, was Spall. Spall. Yeah. yeah, that's why before you so turned down. I'm happy to come see that one. I was gone when she said uh, it all spoils the last one. It's three two. <laughs> it's a good quiz. It's very very close. Well, right? very close. Hopefully, people yeah. played along as well and were shouting oh, yeah. at us. Yeah, and anyone who wants to suggest any quizzes for future, let us know. We did a uh, football tic tac toe went down on the deadline day stream. If anyone wants to see that, obviously it'd be more of a more of a visual thing, but we're happy to do it. But that's where we round off. Mike, thank you very much for hosting the quiz. Really appreciate it. No, no problem, lads. It's um, hopefully a couple of weeks we'll have a nice cheery podcast to talk about all the things that are positive about Telelovic, bagging a hat trick, Sigurdsson bagging a couple. This is what's happening. Volstead pulling a load of saves off. The world's a better place. And Mike, thank you as always. Always a pleasure. Yeah, it's all good, Mike. And thank you to everyone for watching. We'll be back next week with a brand new podcast. In the meantime, stay tuned on YouTube with all the content coming out. Plenty of stuff as we look back at the season so far. Look ahead to the games coming up. And of course, we'll have our preview content for the upcoming Middlesbrough and Sunderland games. But until next time, hit like, hit subscribe, follow. Leave a comment as well if you're watching on YouTube. And we'll see you soon for a new podcast.